Are you ready to take your marketing and advertising game to the next level? Join us at Advertising Week Europe at Picture House Central in London this 16th to 18th of May. Gain unparalleled insights and inspiration from the industry's top minds and network with the biggest brands and agencies in a city known for creativity and innovation. With top industry leaders from brands like Primark, Arla Foods, Uber, and Heineken. Inspiring speakers including talent supremo Simon Cowell and fashion designer Harris Reed, as well as cutting-edge insights, this is your chance to stay ahead of the curve. From AI to brand insights to the latest in tech and everything in between, Advertising Week Europe has got you covered. Join us at Advertising Week Europe and discover why it's a must-attend event for anyone in the marketing and advertising industry at any level. Register now at advertisingweek.com slash Europe and use promo code AW25 for 25% off of your passes. Welcome to Great Minds, and our guest today is a longtime friend. Uh, we've traveled all over together. He is, without a doubt, one of the most entertaining, engaging, positive, inspirational people who I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. Uh, we've become dear personal friends as well as business colleagues over the years, and I am thrilled, genuinely thrilled, Dan, to welcome the great Dan Beaver two great minds so welcome dan thank you mr matt how painful was that to say all what you just said all what you just said that had to be somewhat painful because i i know it was scripted and you wrote it it had to be painful it was not scripted there is no scripting here on great minds it's all from the heart and uh i would say a mix of pain and pleasure i think is probably a fair uh, a fair assessment so now now greet me like you normally do give a normal greeting when you call me i, I don't think i can there could be children listening so I, I cannot do that dan we met long long ago through our mutual buddy uh mike dyer dan is one of the great entertainers in the golf world and also is extraordinarily charitable and we're going to talk about what you do at out of sight multiple appearances on the golf channel close to 2000 shows around the world going back to 1996 1997 but dan you and your family kelly are such charitable people you do great work for people all over the world and i'd love to go back to that very first gig after you left the cincinnati reds baseball organization and working for a charity wasn't your first gig for the red cross in branson way back when yeah i had uh it, it was the first thing i did was for state farm red cross disaster and i really didn't have any kind of heart for that i was just wanting to get hired and i had played baseball till i was 28 years old i had tried to make it to the big leagues my only passion was to make it to the big leagues and as a as a as a young kid growing up on the farm in iowa much like you know, where you grew up in Long Island, very similar uh, to the Long Island racing. You know, uh, the- I think I think very dissimilar, but I, I appreciate where you're coming from. I love coming to New York and doing shows. And because I, I always start with I, I feel like I'm back home. I mean, like many of you, I grew up on a pig farm in Iowa. And then I'll ask people, how many of you have been to Iowa? And I get all these blank stares. And how many of you have heard of Iowa or flown over it? And so yeah, Maddie, you know, I because we know each other, I wanted to play in the big leagues and it, and it didn't happen. 
I made it to AAA. And so, if, you know, I, I didn't make any money, but I, I had a great time and I got out. And for some reason, I hit a golf ball really, really far. So, you know, I, I basically started doing long drive events to make a couple of dollars. And I and I met I met somebody who who had done golf shows and made a living doing it. a guy named Art Selinger, who became a longtime great friend and mentor. And and uh, I, I was at an event that I'd never seen anybody do a golf show. And I was at a, an event in Springfield, Missouri, and they hired a former PGA professional and and he came out and he did a golf show beforehand. It was poorly promoted. It was it was poorly attended, but I loved it. I thought it was fun. It was different. It was very uh, very different than any other golf tournament I'd been in. And so, once I met Art, once I qualified for the World Long Drive Finals, which which again wasn't anything. You, nobody that's listening to this dreams of you know being a long drive golf entertainer. It's just not some people think about but once I met Art I'm like hey I think I'd like to do that and he encouraged me to do that and so when I finally got hired for that first event it was a it was a Red Cross disaster but I, I don't want to lead you down the wrong road it wasn't like I had a great passion I, I I liked what they did and my friend was was very heavily involved and so that's why I was there okay so let's go back a little and just sort of set the stage so not everybody knows what a golf entertainer means. So I want to get into that, but you're also a champion. You've made it really far, much further than most do, certainly getting to AAA at the major leagues is an accomplishment. And then you were the long drive champion. You hit a golf ball farther than anyone else than that particular year. I guess it was about give or take 15 some odd years ago. And you turned that whole thing into a true global business. Talk about the evolution. And I do want to talk, I know you've done some great trips for our troops abroad to some pretty tough places, but I know you well enough to know that the charitable part of you is very real for you as an entertainer and for your family. So talk about the evolution, explain to us what being a golf entertainer really means and then i'd love to get into some of the wonderful events that you've done for our troops and other causes and charities all around the world yeah maddie i think for me this whole golf thing is very similar to the with the baseball world and i think for sports in general i joke about the fact that i've i've been paid to hit a ball with a stick for most of my adult life uh I, i've listened to a lot of your podcasts we were talking about it earlier uh, uh, I know the high level of educated people you've had on this show. And so that's kind of intimidating for a guy who had horrible grades in college, who who ended with 92 credit hours, but wanted to play in the big leagues. My dream was to play there. And, and so for me, it's always been about relationships. Uh, for me, it was fun going to the ballpark, even in class A or double A. And, and they had no idea that we were nobodies. They thought we were somebodies because we were we were playing for the Cincinnati Reds minor league team. And it was, those interactions were great for me. And so when, when the, when the golf thing started, there was no dream of that. I would turn this into a career. I had a sales job and and I would steal a day here and there. And, and, and if, if nobody's, if your listeners haven't been part of that kind of deal, or they're not even golfers, probably, uh, I, I liken it to if you showed up in an event and they had a comedian or they had a magician, it's, it's just, it's, it's something else to enhance that golf day. So when Matty Schechner puts on a golf tournament, you're looking for great food. You're looking for a great course. You're looking to give people that the best kind of day that they can. And you're maybe doing it for clients. You're maybe doing it for a fundraiser. 
And, and so adding a golf trick shot show into that is just one of those components that most people don't do. And so my buddy Art Salinger had done that successfully for many, many years. And he was, he was kind enough to, to offer me advice. And I bugged him. I've, I've always been pretty decent, Maddie, about, about uh, asking questions and learning and, and trying to figure out, Hey, Art, what should I do here? And what should I do there? So there were a lot of those calls early on and, and <clears throat> he would, he would say to me, you got to quit your job, man. You got to quit your job. And I said, all right, I, I, it's January. I don't have a golf job booked till April and it's, it's January and I have a house payment. What do you suggest? <laughs> Cause I, my kids were little and, and uh, we weren't making a ton of money. So about two years into that, I basically ran out of vacation days and, and had to make that decision. Again, I'm sure many of your listeners have done that where they've had to make this decision. Do I go jump in this, into this arena that, where I don't have a company car and I don't have a salary and I don't have commission and, and, but we had built up enough business to, to kind of take that leap. And I've got an amazing wife that I've been married to for, it'll be 33 years of summer. And she was very encouraging. She's like, Hey man, just go, we can go do this. You can do this. Cause our just, he goes like, you gotta go do this. So by the grace of God, uh, I quit my job in 2000 and we've been busy ever since, even through, the great times of 0809 and the great times of the uh, COVID journey, all that we've, we've stayed busy. So, but even in the golf world, it's, it's like knowing you it's for me, it's been about building relationships and having relationships. And I think that's why I've stayed busy. Uh, I sincerely, now you mentioned Iraq and Afghanistan. Those are just some of the amazing benefits that have come out of some of the incredible people that I've met along the way, you being one of them, right? I, I meet you through a third person and we hit it off and, 15 years later, we still have a relationship. And that's kind of how my business is, which is, I'm sure, very similar to your business as well. Well, absolutely. It, it remains a people relationship business, and you are one of the best at that. Talk about going to Iraq, going to Afghanistan, entertaining the troops. I think you've traveled with some pretty high-profile people. And I know that in addition to doing the corporate shows that you do, uh, and having seen your your show many, many, many times, it always delivers. It's always great, always funny, always amazes all the guests what you can do with a golf club and a golf ball. But talk about going abroad to provide some levity uh, for folks who are really on the front lines doing you know incredible work to try to keep us all safe. Yeah, look, I, I grew up loving comedians and I grew up watching Bob Hope, of course, and what he did. And so I've always been drawn to, to watching the interaction, mostly with comedians, right, overseas. Um, and so when I got this call about going to Iraq from a gentleman named Rick Kell, who's, uh, who runs an organization called the Troops First Foundation, he and, and David Faraday have this organization. And and they said, would you like to go to Iraq over Thanksgiving for 10 days? And my initial response was, not really. It's too far. And I think they got guns over there. And I, I'm, you know, I'm just chubby enough that I'm probably a sniper's delight. So I really don't want to. And my wife's like, you're an idiot. What are you talking about? You have to go. You, this, this is an opportunity that very, very few people have or will get. And so I did. And Tom Watson was going. And if, if you don't follow golf, he's one of the legendary Hall of Famers. And Corey Pavin, who's also a legendary golfer, they were going. And I've always been fans. And so uh, we jumped on this plane and went to Kuwait City and and went to Baghdad. And we basically ran around. And, and it was obviously pretty eye-opening. I My dad served, but it was just for a short time. And, and I, I was never in the military. But 
and I've traveled my whole life. So it's always been, I've always hated being away from family. I know you do a good bit of traveling as well. And so it was pretty amazing to, it, it, Maddie, I, I grew up on a farm in Iowa. So when you're, when you're flying over Iraq in a C-130 and Tom Watson sitting there next to you, it's kind of weird. Uh, when you're, when you're doing a golf show on the back deck of one of Saddam Hussein's palaces, it's weird. And, and yet you know, we're standing there with these men and women who got guns strapped over their shoulder, who are, who are, you know, doing their thing for the United States military. And you can have thoughts either way about any of that stuff. But the fact is they were there and, you know, we were just over there trying to encourage them and love on them and be nice. And, and, uh, and that was, that was pretty cool to, to do that. Cause everywhere we dropped, there were, there were people and we flew all over Iraq doing that. And that was, it was pretty stunning. So and, and pretty eye-opening because on Thanksgiving, I was trying to call, I was trying to call home and, and I'm sitting there and I'm frustrated because there's an eight or nine hour time difference and it's Thanksgiving and I can't talk to my wife and kids and I'm aggravated because the calls keep dropping and I'm dead tired because this Rick Kell guy decided it was smart for us to get up every day at 4 a.m. and go all day till midnight. If we're there, we should be there, right? I would have rather been like 10 to 2, 10 in the morning till 2 and and I'm sitting there frustrated and the call drops and I'm so aggravated because I have to be away from my family for 10 days. And I look around and there's 70 guys in these cubicles, men and women. And I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, these folks are gone for a year. They're gone for a year and people are shooting at them. And just this sense of gratefulness for, for the sacrifice, the true sacrifice of being gone that uh and and what they deal with when, when they come home and now since then obviously i've been around a lot of military folks and i i support a group here in town and so i'm around more people so i've, I've learned a lot more about what happens when they come home and these these hidden wounds that they have so from that perspective it's you know that's just been one of the aspects of traveling and, and you know what this amazing golf game has given me over time so you, you've seen that, right? You've been all over the place and you've been way, way more places than I have, but that gratefulness was definitely there and evident. Sport and music are really international languages. Yeah. And I was just in uh, Sydney, one of our advertising week markets is in APAC in the great country of Australia in the great city of Sydney. And over the weekend, I got a chance to go to New South Wales, one of the great golf courses down there. It was designed by Alistair McKenzie, who designed Pebble Beach. And there was a great picture of Bob Hope in the locker room from a visit down there many, many, many years ago. And you referenced Bob, but his commitment to leverage his platform to deliver some moments of levity to our troops serving all around the world uh, was certainly legendary, but you have followed those footsteps in and do that as well. As part of what you do beyond the troops, you're working to raise money for a lot of charities all across America. That's got to make you feel pretty good. Yeah, I did. I describe it, Maddie, and you, you mentioned the, the the music thing. And, and I, listen, I love all kinds of music. Um, I, I'm a guy who grew up on a pig farm listening to Earth, Wind & Fire and cool in the gang. So I didn't necessarily fit in right there in the farmland, <laughs> but uh, I mean, you, 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 the thing that I describe about, I, I hold up a golf ball and I go, the great thing about this golf ball is it doesn't care your skin color. It doesn't care how much you make. It doesn't care who you vote for. It treats everybody the same. 
usually pretty crappy, right? Because <laughs> most people, depending on, you know, Mr. Fancy Executive Matt Schechner could be worth $50 million. And that doesn't necessarily translate to being a good golfer. Can I get an amen on that? Uh, I think you're right on the golfer. And uh, uh, amen, 50 million, less than 50 million. But you are correct. But why do you why do you think that you've seen in your because you love the sport and you mentioned golf and you mentioned music, those two do cut across the lines. And I think that's what's been really fun for me as I travel. And I because somebody said to me one time, describe who you do shows or tell me your show. And I listed I, they wanted so many details. It was so far beyond what people ask me for. And, and I listed out literally a hundred things on an email and said, these are the people that I've done shows for. And it's, it's across the board. And so why, why I'm curious why you think that works that way. As far as music, it cuts across those divides, right? You were recently in South Africa and, and that music cuts across, right? Yeah. I, I, I think sport and music are the universal languages and uh, the commonality that it brings, as you referenced, it's not about money. Whether you're a, an English football fan or an American baseball fan or a cricket, you know, supporter from India, it doesn't matter. The or game Bruce Springsteen. Is, Bruce Springsteen. We're very excited going to see him in a few weeks, and that cuts across demography, geography. And it doesn't matter how much money you have in your wallet. And I see, and I know your heart too. I know your heart for people because I read the recent article you wrote on Evan Zant, the article, the amazing article that you wrote, you know, and, and how he changed the direction of a country. And that has to warm your heart when you're around people and you see those divides or those come apart really because of music or, or sport. Well, it brings, brings people together, certainly, and can be used to support and raise money for people who need it, which is one of the things been interesting watching the whole PGA live golf tour battle play out. And one of the huge points of differentiation of what you do and what PGA tournaments do is they raise a lot of money for charity in every market that they're in. To my knowledge, the live tour does not have a charitable component and the Honda, which just had its last year, our buddy, Mike Dyer, you know, they would raise five, $6 million a year for the Jack Nicholas children's hospital, Pebble beach, where we had you out many, many years ago with Yahoo. They raise a huge sum of money for local charities. And I don't know why Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA, and I don't know why the proponents of the PGA tour aren't going harder on that component of what they do because they really are making a difference in people's lives in every community where there's a tournament the same with you everywhere you appear almost everywhere dan i know some are just straight corporate gigs but an awful lot of what you do is you know whether it's saint Jude's children's hospital or something for our military something for uh uh uh, you know, police, uh, you know, widows and, uh, and, and orphans, you're doing incredible work to try to help people who need help. Yeah, listen, I, I have this wonderful uh, gift uh, advantage that I, I love what I do. Even after 27 years, I've done golf shows now for 27 years. I still love it. I get to see, I describe it like I get to see the best of people. You know, when I was in Long Island last year for the Bob Woodruff Foundation, and, and you know Bob Woodruff and that story, the right he was he was going to be a news anchor and he got hurt and he got injured and his and his brother and wife David Woodruff started this foundation, this Bob Woodruff Foundation. So here I am at Hampton. Do you know how far 
not just miles wise that is from Remsen, Iowa or Springfield, Missouri. We would probably didn't want to say that, right? That I live in Springfield, Missouri. For all of you Manhattan people, <laughs> I live in Springfield, Missouri. I know you can laugh and go, what? There's a lot of what going on. Is that is that the Simpsons deal? But as far as those are, not just miles wise, but think about people wise, how far that is from East Hampton and Springfield, Missouri. What I saw that day were people who were good at what they do, who were raising money for the Bob Woodruff Foundation. And guess where that money's going? It's going to help people. And so... Uh, two weeks ago, I was out in California in Palm Springs and Stater Brothers Markets and and Dave Stockton, you know, raised a million dollars at uh, one of the first places I was with you out in Indian Wells. And so you're right. There are straight corporate events that I do. But about if I do 80 events a year, there's probably six of them, 60 of them that has some kind of component where where people are raising funds. And so I describe it like I I get to see the best of America if you want to see the worst, you can turn on CNN, you can turn on Fox, you can turn on any kind of thing, and you're going to get to see some stuff that isn't real pleasant. But I, I love the fact that I can walk in to places and I get to see people with charitable hearts and charitable giving. And and again, whether it's somebody overcoming uh, addiction, I was in Philadelphia last year for, for that cause or, or cancer research. There's there's a lot of wonderful, amazing people all over this country. And so I, I, I think about it that I get to see the best of people on a weekly basis and, and, and get to see those events. So it's, it's another cool aspect of what I do. And I know a lot of people do that. Obviously you do it as well, but. Well, it, it's a very uh, special part of what you do. And, and I know that it, that the heart piece for you and for Kelly is genuine. Let's try to describe, this will be hard to do, Dan, but let's try to take people inside what a show is like. It's 30, 40 minutes, as you described it, it's sort of the warm up before the main event, if you will. You gather everyone around one place, typically a hole where you can hit the ball pretty far or a driving area or some area where people can assemble because you draw very big crowds at all these corporate events. And you have an act which is combines pure comedy, little bit of sort of Keystone Cops, Three Stooges, and incredible skill with a golf club. Let's try, take a shot at describing what the show is like. Yeah, let me let me share with you the four keys that make up the triangle of success for me. Um, no, it's, listen, I, I, people will ask me, what kind of shots do you hit? And I'm like, well, I hit this ball uh, 250 feet up in the air, or I, I hit it sitting out of a chair, or I, you know, I throw it up. And even as I'm describing it, it doesn't sound very exciting. But I've never hit a ball 250 feet up in the air without somebody freaking out. And so, I, look, <clears throat> again, I have a great love for comedians. And so I, 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 I've tried to shape. If you're a long drive competitor and you go do a golf show, you're likely going to grab a putter and hit it because naturally you're gifted and you hit it far. So, Maddie Schechner, what's a normal drive for you, Maddie? Yeah, two and a quarter, two thirty. You're, you're a normal human who hits it two twenty five, right? And so if you can hit your putter 325, that gets people's attention. And so if you're a long driver, you you can do those things. If you can hit your driver 360, it grabs people's attention. But for me, it's always been then about, okay, how do I wrap that with a story that's going to hold the attention of, of the, the folks over in New Jersey in the same way they would up in Montana or Florida or where it cuts across all these divides. And, and so look, I, I have certain shots that I hit pretty well. So the good golfers look at that and go, wow, that, that was, that's hard to hit. 
But as much as that, I'm trying to appeal to that person who might show up who really doesn't play much. They just are supporting the cause. And, you know, they. my favorite compliment is a 70 year old woman who walks up to me and says, I hate golf. And that was a blast because I know I'm doing more than it's just. And Art gave me that advice a long time ago. He said, look, your golf snow isn't about how far you hit it. It's you want people to have fun. And if they later say, man, he hits it far too, that's kind of what you're going for. So uh, look, over time, I, I do try to write certain things that I feel like are funny and, and you know, a decent amount of those work and are funny. And I'm not, I'm not afraid to try it. And I'm not afraid to throw it out, but to kind of keep keep moving and jigging with, uh, you know, different material and different shots. And the, and the fact is somebody will say something in a show that all of a sudden hadn't been said in 15 years. Nobody would ever said it. And I can now work that into the show and it ends up being funny. And and I got certain clubs, Maddie. I've got a I've got a I've got a club that's designed as a driver, but you flip the top and it's actually a weed eater. There's a battery in it. And so I can, I can do a whole routine. I can clear the grass with the actual weed eater. I think I sent you a video. I was at, I was at Spanish Bay last week doing an indoor event and, and I said, and I got a weed eater, so I'll never have a bad line. I went to one of the tables and I, and it, it literally, they had a centerpiece of flowers and I just chopped these and there were flowers flying everywhere. So look, it, it's designed to get laughs. That's my sole purpose. If they think the shots are cool, great, but I want, I want them to laugh. you had yourself a half hour dedicated special on the golf channel yeah that was fun they uh, they came to scottsdale arizona and set up four cameras and, and a bunch of audio and they had a 300 people out there at desert mountain and and then uh you know we did our thing and 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 it was it's fun listen all those are i'm a, I'm a nobody man if you're not on the box if you're not on that box every week that little box that people watch on the pj tour uh you, you know you don't you're not as well known, obviously. And and so I, 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 you know, there's people I meet and they're like, how come I've never met you or seen you? I'm like, I don't know. I've done 1900 golf shows all over the country. I've literally crisscrossed the country for 27 years, but, but in the, in the world of golf, I'm, I'm kind of a nobody, but I, I've made a lot of friends along the way. And that, that's definitely helped. I, I don't think you're a nobody. I think you're just very uh, demure. Let's talk about some of the characters and people you meet along the way. You end up in movies, uh, Jimmy Buffett, Will Schreiner. You end up with people like Larry David at charitable events and others. There must be some in your 27 years and almost 2,000 shows crisscrossing the globe. There must be a couple of moments with some of these A-listers that really come to mind and make, make you laugh. Well, again, it doesn't matter. Hall of Famer, Academy Award winner, Grammy winner, it doesn't translate to being a good golfer. And so it's it's been fun because that ability to hit a golf ball a certain way kind of gets me in some of those doors. One of my favorite moments is I my wife and I flew to to Los Angeles to do an event for a couple of DJs out there. Their names were Mark and Brian, KLOS radio in Los Angeles. And so I was going to go out and we got out there my wife went to bed and I was watching, um, what was the movie? The legend of Bagger Vance. Yeah. So I'm watching Bagger Vance. And so the next day we go to the golf course and we're going to play 18 holes and we make the turn and we come out and there's celebrities everywhere. It was a big celebrity event. 
And so I'm sitting there. There's three of us playing. I'm playing with this legendary DJ. And I think you knew him. He was in the DJ Hall of Fame. I can't remember his name. But but I think when we, you and I talked, you're like, oh, I know that guy. He was from Detroit. He was a DJ in Detroit and on and on. And so this guy comes out. And I looked at him and I'm like, I know he's a celebrity. I know he looks familiar, but I don't know who he is. I didn't know his name. And I just said, hey, hey, you want to play with us? We're going to go finish the back nine. And he goes, oh, yeah, I'd love to join you. And so we play and he's super hospitable and, and really nice. And, and about the second hole in on the backside, I go, those shoes are amazing. They're just really cool wingtip looking golf shoes. I go, where'd you get those? He goes, well, I was in this movie called The Legend of Bagger Vance. And I'm like, what? I go, I just moved, watched that movie last night. Well, it's Bruce McGill. And if you look up Bruce McGill, you'd go, oh, wait a minute. I don't necessarily know that name, but I know that dude. He's been in a hundred movies in a hundred awesome movies. And he was D-Day in Animal House. Sure. And so here's here's stupid Midwest guy. I don't know his name, but we we go on to have this amazing relationship and still have it today. Um I don't like to brag on myself, but when I was inducted into the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame, which, you know, was a really pretty big deal, I, he was kind enough. Did I mention that? I don't, I don't know if you mentioned that earlier. I hate, I really hate to talk about myself like that. Um, I know I know you do, but somehow struggle struggle through it. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I try to remain humble, uh, humble. Humility is a, a very, you know, good trait of mine, humility. And when you, Maddie, you know, when you mix talent and humility, it's a powerful but anyway, he, he's been a friend forever. And Larry David's another one. I'm doing a show in, at New Seabury Country Club. And, and I was doing this bit about top, topping golf balls or slicing golf balls. And I go, how many of you guys slice a golf ball? And 100 people are there. Nobody raised their hand, which I know is a lie because I know 80 of them slice it. And all of a sudden in the back, I hear, I do. And I, I look up and I'm like, man, that sounds like Larry David. And I look and I go, think it's Larry David, man. I go, come down here, sir. Come down here. So he starts traping down. Picture Larry David walking, right? You know this walk because I know your son worked on his show, right? Yeah. Your boy Benny worked on this show. So I know you know this walk, right? Better than anybody. And he comes down and all of a sudden I changed the deal and come to find out later that the, the person that we were doing the tournament in honor was his college roommate who had died uh, with cancer. And so... You know, that interaction ended up being a really, really funny uh, interaction and a nice interaction. And so there's there's been a lot of these really uh, cool things for me to uh, to have those Patrick Warburton, who who I met also at that Mark and Brian event. Uh, I, I look at him and I describe those guys as being big dogs who don't act like big dogs. And those to me. Are, are my favorites. And and you obviously have plenty of examples like that, you know, with, with who you run with, you meet celebrities who kind of act that way. But then these guys, Patrick Warburton is just one of the kindest, sweetest people. He just did a golf tournament raised this year alone over $4 million for St. Jude. I think he's been almost 15 or 20 million. So, but it's been fun getting to know some of those guys and, and uh, you know, seeing what they're all about, that they're, they're actually nice people. That's that's great stuff, Dan, and very true. So uh, let's talk about an area sort of uh, that where we have a lot in common, and that's the importance of the live experience and delivering something that's live. You know, we're now in a very interesting era in culture and business culture where, you know, businesses are struggling to get people back to the office. 
our company were about three days a week. And uh, I think our people like to come to the office actually and see the value in connecting with their colleagues and, and you know, not being home alone in effect. But I think in this digital age where we spend so much time looking at a screen, to me, the importance of the live experience is more important than ever. Whether it's that communal experience of going to a concert or a movie or a sporting event, or going to a, a tournament, supporting a charity, getting a chance to be with other people and experience a show like yours. Talk about you know, what you see and a lot of your corporate clients see in the retained value in 2023 and hopefully for many years to come of the live experience? Well, there's a lot of things I can't speak to, but the thing I can speak to is people being together. And and because, because I've watched for 27 plus years, what happens when you have time together? And I'll use the example of a golf course, but but, you know, if a person's a wine person or they're whatever they're into, right, there are groups that love that. I'm not a wine guy, so I'm never going to entertain people at a wine tasting, but a lot of people do. But I've watched firsthand people in the business world uh, develop and maintain and grow relationships because of the time that they have together on the golf course. In in my particular world, right, you're, you're talking about being together and that experience you cannot duplicate that. So if you're calling on somebody, Maddie, and you're doing it through this, through the, your computer screen right there, good luck. Good luck versus me doing it in person, five or six hours on the golf course. Good luck. Good luck on that one. We'll see who wins that deal, right? I watched it last week. I was at, I was out at an event with an organization called Convoy of Hope. And, and Maddie, these guys serve people all over the world. They serve, uh, they feed a half a million people a day. They uh, they have a women's program. They have a, a food growing. They have disaster relief. And Maddie, they have people in person. And you cannot duplicate being in person and hearing stories and sharing experiences with people. And I, I for me, the other t- tough part that I see on the golf course or at corporate events, I don't see as many women as I'd like to. And, and I'm always asking them, how come, how come there's not more? I said, I, I think you're missing out. I think you're missing out. I'll, I'll meet a lot of salespeople. And, and, and I had a young lady, I was at Kohler for Bank of America. And I said, there's a hundred guys, right? There's a hundred, it's a finance group and there's a hundred dudes and there's one woman. I'm like, come on, how come we, how come there's not more women here? And she goes, well, I'll tell you why I was at, and she was, she was big time, right? She was smart and successful. And she says, I'll tell you why. I was at an event and I had my bag on a cart and I walked up just in time to hear some dude say, I ain't playing with no woman. And it, and she grabbed her bag and took it off. And, you know, I, I just want to, I just want to strangle guys. A lot of times they're so, they're so stupid. And so, you know, we're, you're a dude, so you understand we do some stupid things, but you know, I, I was like, uh, you know, that that's horrible. It should never happen. So I'm always very engaging and I try to be very welcoming in that world. And, and, and as I meet young ladies I, I, at that event, I talked about out in Palm Springs with Dave Stockton, there were a number of people, you know, from this grocery chain, some of their suppliers. And I would see young ladies out who don't play a lot. And you could tell they just, they don't play a lot. And they, they, I think they think I'm going to get on them and make fun of them and all that. I'm like, I try to be so encouraging. I'm like, no, no, listen, 
look around at that dude over there. He ain't playing on tour. Don't worry about it. Just come enjoy it. That, that time together, you, you can't make up for that time. So I, I, I think that's what you're talking about, right? I've seen it firsthand. I can't imagine your business is much different. You know, when you did ad week in New York or any of these places, I, I know I can sit and watch those, those events, which are amazing that I can watch your speakers, but being in that room, you, you can't duplicate that. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. And having been to so many of your shows, you know, everybody is smiling from beginning to end. Uh, if they're not smiling, they're outright laughing and or just staring at you with, you know, like, uh, you know, the seventh uh, wonder of the world, how, how you <laughs> how you physically do some of the things that you do. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. I think the live experience uh, is irreplaceable. And I think humans want to be with other people. And I've seen, you know, we both love comedy. Years ago, we went to Radio City and there was an interview with uh, Mel Brooks and then a screening of Young Frankenstein. And I've probably seen Young Frankenstein 50 times over the years. Uh, and you know every line, you know everything, every scene, you know exactly what's coming. But to see it in a great place like Radio City and laugh with 6,000 other people Right. was just a great memorable experience because it was different. It was communal. And I, I certainly hope that this next generation, you know, that that is a retained part of their life. I, I think there's a place for, you know, e-gaming and all the things that keep people on their couches also. But I certainly don't think that that's the entirety of life experience, that experiential is a big part of what makes life worth living. And what you do, Dan, to entertain people and raise an awful lot of money for charity along the way is absolutely priceless. And uh, I treasure our friendship and I'm thrilled to have had you here as a worthy guest of Great Minds. <laughs> as a worthy guest. I wanna put these academic credentials up, all your other up against all these other people that I've heard, which are amazing, so. Listen, not everyone has a 0.6 grade point average. I got a 0.6 uh, grade point average. That, it wasn't one of the smarter things. Listen, you're when you're young, you do dumb things, right? I probably would do things different now that I'm I'm a little smarter. I I probably would study more. I would probably take advantage of a tutor. There's a lot of things I might have done somewhat different. Listen, you've done a lot of things right. You got a great wife and Kelly and two great kids. We were thrilled to see Justice get into medical school. So those brains come from somewhere. And uh, Dan, loved having you on Great Minds. Thanks so much. It's an honor and I, I, look, I always look forward to hearing your shows, but I, I look forward to hearing this one the most. Yeah.